I think we all know the pedigree of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology when it comes to bird resources, and we at the ABA are excited to partner with the Cornell Lab of O to offer an amazing deal exclusive to ABA members. ABA members can now get a 15% discount to any new subscription to Cornell's amazing new Birds of the World resource that is applicable for three years. Birds of the World is a powerful resource that brings deep scholarly content from four celebrated works of ornithology into a single platform where birders can answer all their life history questions for every species of bird they could want. It is extraordinary. You can get more information at birdsoftheworld.org. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am your host, Nate Swick. I am excited this week to turn the whole episode over to two of the most interesting and insightful people in the birding world, both the 2022 recipients of the ABA's Lifetime Achievement Award, also known as the Rogatory Peterson Award or the Tropic Bird. They are J.B. Brumfeld of Cleveland, Ohio, and J. Drew Lanham of Clemson, South Carolina. They both have been on the podcast before in different capacities, but I was really excited to get them both together, and I think you'll see why in this episode. We talked for a while and and probably could have gone on longer. This is one of the longer episodes of the American Birding Podcast that we've ever put out. So I'm going to keep the stuff up here short. Let's get on to the conversation about the state of birding, mentorship, and what they love about where they live, among other things. J.B. Brentfield and J. Drew Lanham after this week's very brief Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the beginning of August 2022. Only one first record to report in this spot, a gray heron, the Eurasian equivalent of our widespread great blue heron at Covehead Harbor, Prince Edward Island. Gray heron is a paler and slightly stockier version of our familiar great blue, has been recorded in Newfoundland and Alaska in the ABA area with additional sporadic records in Bermuda and the Caribbean, which does suggest that they could potentially show up just about anywhere. Picking them out of the abundant and common great blue herons is the rub, however. As I said, short, just wanted to get that one out there, but for a full accounting, check out the ABA Rare Bird Alert on Fridays at aba.org slash RBA. You can also follow along with all the Rare Bird news in our ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook. Earlier this year, the ABA was delighted to award our Lifetime Achievement Award to a pair of birders whose accolades are many, and if I listed them all for both of them, it would take a very long time. But uh, suffice it to say that they are both folks who have made a very big impact, not only on the places where they live, but on the birding community across the continent. I'm delighted to have both of them here to talk about the state of birding and whatever else we get to. Uh, Drew Lanham is a birder, poet, academic award-winning memoirist, so much else. J.B. Brumfeld, environmental educator, artist, the undefeated big year champion of Cleveland, Ohio, (laughs) Cuyahoga (laughs) County, Ohio, I should say. Um, Welcome to you both. Congratulations on the awards. I'm really happy to have you both here. How are you doing? You want to go first, Drew? Who's uh, more well, tired? You know what? You, <laughs> who's going to fall, fall JB, asleep you, first out of sheer exhaustion? probably, because, you know, all I did was just get out for uh, Red Cross bills this morning. But, um, you know. How were the Cross bills, You know, Drew? It, was, it was pretty cool because they're up and tucked in the corner, northwest corner of the state. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's sort of, it's kind of a famous place because it's where... Um, years and years and years ago, Andy Johnson, you guys know Andy up at Cornell first, yeah. uh, found saw wets in the state. So, but they were, I went up there mm-hmm. and they were munching on hemlock cones and hemlocks are in, in rapid decline. Um, but these birds mm-hmm. were, um, yeah, about half a dozen, half a dozen birds. Um, so it's pretty cool. I, you know, it was my first time seeing them in the state. So yeah, that's a good bird for South Carolina. Yeah. How about you? How about you, Jen? What's going that's on with you? you? Oh, we're still in the thick of summer camp, so though we're uh, we're starting to wrap those up. My coworker is sitting right next to me, over, uh, right over here. Kate uh, just came in hot <laughs> off her last summer camp <laughs> of the year. It, yeah, it literally hatched, covered in sweat, yeah, chugging say, her water. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on her, so you know, in case they need to resuscitate. <laughs> um, but we're, <laughs> if you do, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, put it in. Mag- magic stuff. of editing. Yeah. Right. 
But, uh, you know, we, we just reach so, so many people, not just uh, at this nature center, but all, all throughout the uh, outdoor education department at Cleveland Metro Parks. We have uh, 70 full-time staff, as, which is incredible. I mean, yeah. it's just shocking. And uh, these folks are devoted to, you know, reaching the people of Cleveland. And so we just do back-to-back-to-back programs, whether it's summer camps or have school groups out or have other summer camps come visit us when we take them out. Um, you know, right, right as summer camps wrap up, we jump right back into school programs. You know, everybody's out shopping, getting their notebooks and their pens, and you know, time's flying. So um, I've got one more summer camp for the summer and then uh, heading into fall migration which I'm super excited about. We just reach right here at Rocky River Nature Center, uh, where I'm at. We, uh, we reach close to 14,000 people in, in, uh, in July. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. So I always look tired. I always feel (laughs) tired because we're just giving, you know, giving it all, giving what we, uh, giving what we can. It's a good kind of tired though. Yeah. You know that you're you're time. you're hitting those kids in a in a yeah. place where they're super receptive to Absolutely. just learning about all sorts yeah. of that stuff. Oh, especially nowadays, you know, it, it's still we we still we're, and we're never going to be out of the out of the woods as far as uh, getting unplugged fully. We're mm-hmm. plugged in from from this point on, and uh, so it's just learning how to balance. It's just learning how to adapt and balance. There's, there's no going back to the days of all of us frolicking around the neighborhood, running until, you know, running past the dinner bell, being out on bikes, you know, until late at night coming home and, you know, not, if you wanted to see your friend, you'd go check to see if they were there. You wouldn't call them. You'd <laughs> go, you'd go a couple That's blocks right. or a mile down the road. Yeah. Take your chance. You know, it's good. I'm going to go see if they're home. So we're we're adapting now. We got a lot. We've got so much to adapt to. Yeah, so much. You know, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I think about. Uh, I was I was reading one of one of uh, Ken Kaufman's pieces last night about how birding has changed since you know his inception, mm-hmm. and I was thinking yeah. about when you know I was hot and heavy and chasing and having to call up. Um, you know, the rare bird alert and listen to a voicemail. Right. And, and, and there, and there was no GPS and you actually had to be able to read a Delorme (laughs) Atlas and, uh, and get to, you you know, right. You know, it's your fail safe. But I, you know, one of the things that I do with my ornithology students is that, um, because you know, there these, this day and age, you got to have your phone with you anyway, because guess what, who knows what's going to jump off in terms of, whatever. Um, and, and so, you know, most of them have field guides on their phones or I, I, I tell them about the field guides that they can put on their phones. And, um, I try to engage them through their phones when I can, um, to take a picture of the habitat or, you know, if you want to, if you want to post a selfie of yourself out somewhere. And the thing is that a lot of the places that we go, they don't, they, they can't connect. So, um, you know, once we get back on the road, they can, they can do some of that stuff, but you know, JB's right. It, it's a, um, everybody's going to be connected from here on out. And so it's all about leveraging what you can, um, to, to get, to get to that goal and, and the people that you are reaching, would you say 14,000 in July alone? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just at this nature center. Yeah. You know, I mean, each year at this nature center, it's up over 200,000. Wow. wow. Yeah. There's, I, mean, I mean, there's some good stuff on that, you know, technology has brought yep. some good things to birding. When I look at, Huge. I mean, eBird, Huge. eBird is like indispensable. Um, when I look at the stuff that like Merlin and iNaturalist can do, I'm constantly amazed. I wish I had it when I was a young naturalist and I didn't know what, I might've gotten more into plants or mushrooms or all that stuff that I still can't identify Absolutely. now. Um, 
Absolutely. You know, there's the opportunities are there, as you say, you know, if you can find a way to connect those to the world that people are living in now with these cool technologies, I feel like we're making almost more naturalists where the opportunity is there to make more naturalists. Yeah, it's 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 there. You know what I missed out on? Um, I missed out on my opportunity to be independently wealthy by not uh, by not going at my. <laughs> Yeah, when when, when my son had his Pokedex back in the day, I, I actually right started, on, yeah. you know, I would take out my pad and I was like, okay, these are the superpowers of a, you know, a Northern <laughs> Periola Warbler, you know, and I'm going to come up with some funky name for it and, and, and mix it in with the stuff that you've got, you know, with Snorlax and all this other stuff. Um, but, you know. <laughs> It's funny because the first uh, snowy owl that um, that I I had life wise. Well, no, no, I'd had some up in. Um, I'd actually had some birds up in Assateague with um, with Carrie Samus up there during that during 2013. So um, 2014, mm-hmm. there was a bird in Brevard, North Carolina, and um, yeah, I remember that and. Yep. And I was going out to watch this bird, and my son said, wait, he said, you're going where? I said, I'm going to check out this snowy owl, you know, up in Brevard, which is just over the ridge. And, and he sat for a minute, and, and we, it was Sunday, and we were watching, we were all, no, sun, Saturday, we were all into college football and stuff, and he said, wait a minute. He said, you're going to see Hedwig? I said, who? Exactly. <laughs> yes. And, and so, yeah, so he, you know, he dropped all the fo- college football and stuff. Still had on his. Uh, he's a Green Bay Packers fan somehow. I don't know, and uh, <laughs> and 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 we went up and we saw Hedwig, right? And so that was this connection between his his world and my world. Yeah. And he's not an ornithologist, okay. but he loves owls. Yeah, right. Who doesn't? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and and so now this place that I was today with those crossbills, you know if. Um, when fall comes and the sawwets, when Jen sends me some sawwets, um, I'm gonna gonna go up there yeah. and see if we can see if we can uh, up, yeah toot, up, at your toot up some. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Absolutely. I had an almost identical experience this past winter when I was on the Outer Banks with my family, um, and someone, a friend of mine, texted and said like, "Oh, there's a there's a snowy owl down there." And I looked at the map, and it was like literally ten minutes from where. Oh. We were sitting. So I told my family, Hey, I'm going to go look at this snow alley. I want to come. And so, yeah, my whole, my, my parents, my two kids, my mother-in-law, we all got in the car. We drove down, we walked out. It was a bit of a hike and walking in the sand is no picnic, but we walked out there and we, it popped up and it sat on a dune. I got the scope on it. And my daughter who is uh, eight was like, yeah, we just saw Hedwig. That stuff resonates. <laughs> I, that's amazing. I'll be honest. Yeah, I didn't know who Hed- cool. I didn't know who Hedwig was. Right. <laughs> so I had to learn too. I had to get into it. Go. And then he told both ways. Then he told me about the owls of Galuli or something like that. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Was. Yeah. Owls are big in uh, fantasy, fantasy literature. So, yeah. he, so he knows all of his owls though. Yeah. You know, so, really? Yes. Through, through fantasy. Through fantasy. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, but birds, man, birds. People I'm know ravens you. from Game of Thrones. They connect us all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, he he actually, I was, for some reason, I don't know why, I was playing um, uh, songs one day, and he just, out of the blue, out of the blue, he said, he said, Dad, was that a painted bunting? I said, what? No. Yes. And, you know, I mean, because, <laughs> you know, that's that's not an easy one. No. No. So I don't know where he picked it up, but he picked it up and that's enough. You know, you never know when that stuff's going to, going to, going to show up down the road. Well, if he had, (laughs) if he had, if he gets to meet Jen one day and the, and the way they were actually on that, were you on a pontoon? Was it a pontoon boat? Yeah. We were on, oh, oh, don't get me started. We We could make this an ad. For the pontoon boat field trip for real uh, brand. Yeah, that's what this oh, entire... Oh, the pontoon, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you don't take a pontoon boat, boat out on Lake Erie. That would be a bad idea. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we need max speed. Don't get me talking about that either. My buddy just dropped two larger engines on his boat for this year so we can fly faster. 
Yeah. Not Jaeger that we didn't. Speed. We outraced Longtailed Jaeger last year. So I don't know what he wants to outrace this year. Wow. <laughs> Peregrine Falcon. More Jaegers. <laughs> I need Jaegers, by the way. You need Jaegers? Yeah. Yeah, you got to come, come to Cleveland. It's I've seen Jaegers and I need Jaegers. Yeah, yeah. yeah a- amen <laughs> to that. <laughs> more <laughs> Jaegers. Yeah, more yeah, Jaegers. I wanted to touch on that accessibility piece of eBird. And one of the brilliant things, you know, I, I am fortunate to have multiple mentors in my life. And I know mm-hmm. that sometimes looking at the where birding is come, you know, um, can be a little overwhelming for some folks because it is fast paced and the information is out there. And it's incredible Mm -hmm. that, you know, on my phone right now, if I looked at the Cuyahoga bird chat uh, through messenger that we have, yeah, I could tell you what's being seen all around the County right now, you know, and and just in the time that we've been, you know, sitting here. But one of the, the beauties of that, because I know, again, I know it's overwhelming for people, a sheer amount of information. But, yeah. you know, what's so stunning about that is the accessibility. And yeah. what's one thing within birding overall? Of course, accessibility leads to so many other pieces and parts. But when you talk about one of my favorite things to say is birds to the people, accessibility with it being on our phones is is just outstanding. You know, at this point, more and more cell phones are more affordable and in the hands of more families, more kids, whether or not, you know, there's negatives to that. There are also, of course, many positives. And so people have this portal to birds whenever mm-hmm. they want it. Mm-hmm. In whatever fashion they wanted, if they wanted intensely through eBird, you know, it, however they want birds, um, they can get birds. Sorry, there was an overhead uh, uh, announcement for me. Um, <laughs> so I was using my, my bird brain and my other brain to listen to that. But um, split, splitting, splitting your brain like a duck. There you go. That's right. Oof. Yeah. Like a woodcock. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do it. You know, like a woodcock. <laughs> um, and accessibility to me is just one of the, we have, you know, here at work in my personal life in birding, I try to make it, you know, as accessible as possible through our local community. Um, here at work, we have through Cleveland Metro Parks, we have so many amazing, um, uh, tools to make birding and nature accessible, um, you know, just hundreds of miles of trails and, you know, over 24,000 acres of, of green spaces. Um, some of the best birding sites in, in Cleveland are highly accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think where we're at with birding uh, through technology is, inc- is incredible. Yeah. I'm not sure how much further we could go other than by <laughs> tagging every single Cape May warbler, every ble- and and watching them on radar pass over, you know. Yeah, we'll uh, see what those cellular tracking guys and, do. But uh, so, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, we could yeah. we could grab uh, Mike and uh, and Lapuma and and you know to tell them we want to tag every single bird so that we have access to seeing their flight patterns. But we're we're there, I think, with. Yeah. With with um, the apps with eBird, I think we just need to keep going with word of mouth, and and we need to keep going with um, with individuals in the community who are willing to uh, to reach out to people locally, especially yeah. youth. And then, of course, culturally, you know, we've got to get we've got a lot of strides culturally to make. Um, but digitally, I I think we've worth thumbs up digitally. Yeah. For birds, big time. Um, culturally, though, we've got a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, you talk about this fire hose of information and fire hose of like bird data. Mm. Um, do you think that and how easily accessible all that stuff is? Do you think that fundamentally kind of changes what mentorship is? In the 21st century? Because in the past, you know, I think we all have sort of been through it. You join a local bird club. You meet some people. They kind of show you the ropes. Uh, They show you where to find the birds. Well, now we know where to find the birds. We know sort of how to identify the birds. There's so much information out there. What does mentorship look like now? Does it look like, how do we, does it look like, you know, how how we be more welcoming for a wider swath of people in the birding world? Does it mean 
Um, we show people how to pick and choose the information that they need from this giant fire hose <laughs> of data. Like how, where, what, sure. what does a mentor look like now? You know, for me, it's, um, you know, in, in teaching mostly, mostly college students, um, you know, you, yeah, it's a fire hose and, um, but but they they've been filled up, you know, in many ways. And so, yeah, what I find for me, what's happened and Jen and I have had a little bit of this conversation before, but I've I've had to slow down a bit. Right. Because mm-hmm. ultimately conservation. Is is where I, I try to get people's heads, you know, the appreciation of some some bird. So maybe it's just one bird. Right. Uh, that that one bird that. Um, they may not know the name of it, but it, it's attractive or um, it's active um, and, it, and, it's, and it's just there. And so the opportunity to see that bird and to sort of slow down and be with that mm-hmm. bird at that point in time, um, binoculars or not, is, is an opportunity to sort of, um, you know, to, to, to slow the flow a little bit. And if you, mm-hmm. but, but. On the other hand, you're opening a valve somewhere else. And, and, and yeah. so when I, when I do that and I watch somebody fall in love with one bird, that one bird, and, and they want to know more about that bird. And then often, you know, that, that grows, that snowballs. It's sort of this, you know, like the old Prell commercial, you tell two friends and so on and so on. Um, and, and, and other birds are added to them in a way that they control the flow. And so, you know, then I can introduce them if they want to know more, if they want to go in these other paths, then I can help show them where those paths are. But for me, that's part of, part of mentorship for me has been um, making sure I'm not trying to, to, to make mini me's or, you know, what do they call them on Westworld hosts? Um, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to, to just have a legion of people out there doing what it is that I love to do on the one hand that feels cool initially, but then you're like, what would that be like? That would be no fun. So yeah. to, to have different people out there with different designs on what it means to, um, to bird, to be a birder, to be a bird watcher, whatever you want to call it. I think for me, that's been part of learning to mentor, learning to step back. And yeah, I used to be that guy, don't bring your phone, you know, get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm asking these people to put down their lifeline. Again, everybody's, you know, you can get your guides on there. You can take pictures of habitat. um, You can record sounds. Um, you can, and, you know, when somebody hits up, you know, drops a TikTok and, and suddenly, you know, there are hundreds of people who see them and they can leverage, exactly. they, they can leverage information in ways that we could never imagine it. So, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I go back to that old one seven oh four three three two BIRD, which was the old <laughs> uh, rare bird alert for North and South Carolina and to yes, sit and listen, this is the report for August week of August 3rd for the North North Carolina, South Carolina rare bird alert and listen and listen and listen. Um, yeah. And, and that was only certain people that did that. Now, you know, people are sitting and scrolling TikTok, Right. And, and all of a sudden they see somebody doing something funky, cool, funny, whatever. And it's got their attention. And so that's, you know, I also have to be willing to be mentored to be a decent mentor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, you nailed it right there, Drew. Now I haven't done a TikTok yet. It scares me. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I do see people do. I mean, I just picked up, uh, you know, a new friend yesterday um, in out of California who was talking about, you know, her her um, her hooded Orioles, right? And um, this 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 is a, a a different kind of bird or this was a, a black woman doing this this thing and talking about her hooded orioles and i'm like wow okay so this is somebody that i want to know more about and 
you know, they have a relationship with their Orioles. And that's yeah. what she was talking about, this relationship she has with her Orioles. Yeah. That's cool. I like the idea of that kind of opening the door and then letting people kind of find what is meaningful to them in the community. You want to identify hybrid subadult goals? <laughs> we got a path for you. If you want to enjoy your hooded Orioles, we've got a path for you. You are welcome in this place that we have sort of created. I like. I, I mean, I really because that that resonates with you know my thoughts about birding and being a a facilitator yeah. of birding in whatever sense that I can. Absolutely. Be. Yeah. Yeah, and going back to you know what does mentoring look like right now? I think um, by nature of social media um, being so prevalent. A lot of mentoring is done on social media um, with with Facebook groups, with Messenger groups, uh, with WhatsApp groups, um, mm -hmm. whether or not it's more intimate mentoring or whether it's people belonging to a group and regularly checking in to see different photos posted or um, a lot of, you know, uh, identify this, you know, what's this mm -hmm. bird? I mean, that, that actually is mentoring in its most basic sense. I mean, it's, you know, not that close knit and the guy, you know, guide, but it's guidance of a different kind. And so through social media, there's an unbelievable amount of mentoring happening. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of young birders, um, uh, on, you know, the red pole page, um, and they're interacting in ways together and their discussions are, it's actually mentoring each other, um, you know, uh, happening right there. Yeah. And no, then like through larger birding groups, Birding Ohio is a big one here in the state. I mean, it's probably up over 6,000 members at this point. Um, and, and that has led into Ohio backyard birding. And so there's a Facebook group for that. Um, and no doubt that mentoring, you know, even happens there. Then, of course, there's the the more hardcore Ohio chase birds, you know, for folks that want to run around and twitch this and twitch that. Um, I think as a whole, um, by nature, the sheer volume of bird watchers right now. And, and mm -hmm. see, I'm even coming to grips. I, I don't mind calling myself a bird watcher. Yeah. That used to be kind <laughs> yeah, of a, a thing. You, like you're a birder. You're not a bird. You know, I'll say I'm a bird watcher and I'll say yeah. I'm going to go chase that or twitch that. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but like, I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm a bird watcher. Because <laughs> I do. I watch Whatever you want to call me. I'm bird yeah. person. <laughs> you know, bird person. It's, yeah. It's me and my pit But helmet. I guess some people call, you know, right. call themselves birdists. <laughs> birdists. Like, that's a thing, I guess. Birdist. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I don't know. That's great. Um, but it's, it is the accessibility now to birding is, is just, I mean, it has exploded. It yeah. has absolutely exploded access to information. Um, it's quite stunning. And I, and I think, um, and, and people are trying right now, you know, culturally, socially, we're trying to sort of keep moving ourselves in a positive direction. And, and that's happening. You know, it definitely is happening, but we need to keep making strides there alongside as well. But I, digitally, social media wise, we're there. We yeah. definitely are there. Any faster pace, and I don't think we'd be able to catch up uh, <laughs> yeah. socially, culturally. I mean, because we got a lot of work to do there. There's, there's a whiplash, yeah. You know, it's and to 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 Jen's point, that is, you know, that's such a strong statement. I, you know, I tell people the thing that you can do to mentor immediately is don't cause other people to say that's the birder I don't want to be like, right? <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's the anti mentor. Right, yeah. right. Is is those people who who decide that, you know, they they come on and, and suddenly because somebody misidentified a house finch as a purple finch, their persona non grata. Um and 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 there's an opportunity, I think, for all of us to mentor, as Jen said, in that space and to be kind yeah. and to help people learn. Um because, you know, the next the next birder who ever tells me that they never misidentified something, you know, That's birders a liar. right. So it's, a, it's a liar. You know, so, yeah, that that that's a critical thing, though, because I can't tell you 
um, how many I, I teach these adult classes in Palmetto Proberta used uh, was a program I designed and I haven't taught in it for a few years now, but I was always overwhelmed um, because initially people said, oh, that won't work. People won't do that. They won't. And we always had classes that filled up as soon as we got them online and um, and and adults, right? Older folks would come and they would say, you know, I always wanted to do this, but I was scared away from it by somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, who, who who got after me because I made the wrong call on a bird. It always really hit me hard um, to have people just appreciative of acceptance and and there's that space in 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 what we do in watching these amazing creatures to be accepting of others and not be that person who creates angst but creates some sort of um some sort of positive feeling about birds about the world i mean you know it's it's something that we need not that there isn't bad news out there about birds you know but i think that we can get some traction on doing things better for birds if we're better to each other in some kind of way. And that's one of the things that, you know, that hit me on that pontoon. Cause I will tell you, Jen, I was nervous. Uh, you, you know, I'm always nervous when I take groups out. Yeah. Oh God. I, you, you know, your yeah. reputation precedes you. Uh, look. <laughs> you, you, well, you want to, you want to give them a good time. You want everybody to see everything. I understand. I mean, you, cause you want them to have a wonderful time. You, you want, yeah. You want to show people what you love and, you know, and there's this undue pressure that we sometimes put on ourselves as guides. And I remember as we're cruising along, right? And Jen's like doing this, you know, uh, matrix kind of birding. And so I look at Jen, I think about Ray Van Buskirk, I, you know, and I think about a, a bunch of these birders that were much younger, are much younger than me, but that have been accepting in ways that w- has really been important for my development. And, you know, I like to think of life as a practice, and I don't think bird watching, birding, being a birdist is any different. It's all practice. You know, you never mm-hmm. perfect it. But there are these moments that, you know, when we were on that, by the time I got off that pontoon, I knew I had a friend for life. Right. And I had I had seen these birds and I had learned so much from them. And, and, and then, you know, it really set a stage for me, Jen, I will tell you. It set a stage for me really? to be confident, yes, and and what I was doing. So thank you. You know, I, you I felt never, that never joy, that. Drew. That's what it is. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I had joy, looked. joy, joy down in my heart. It had been locked away, you know, in this, in this, um, really, in sort of this academic, and and you know, to get out there on that river and to to share that, but to have, to be fed. And we have the opportunity to feed people with what we do. You know, it's soul food, birds mm-hmm. are soul food. Um, and, and, you know, you burn calories doing it instead of consuming them. You still consume them, but you do it in it's very different way. So um, I'm grateful for it. Very grateful for it. I've been, I've been really, when I started birding, um, there was this sort of idea that you needed to get everything right. Like you, the, the best mm. birders never made mistakes. They were, and, and, you know, there are certain people that we have encountered out there who have, who feel like they have this sort of preternatural skill to just like nail everything the instant they see it. And that's amazing. Um, but I think that we've become better about talking through the ways that birds can fool you or the mistakes that you can make and how that is such a normal part of the birding process. Like you can, you can be a a skilled birder, but like the number of birds you misidentify is never going to get to zero. Like there's always going to be a bad look or a bad angle or bad light or whatever, or weird plumage or something that's going to fool you. And that's one of the cool, that's one of the things I love about birding because we're talking about like this constant learning process that no matter how, how experienced you are, how skilled you get, you are always learning new stuff. And that, that is what kind of drives me as a birder. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I love the fact I love to learn. And I love that birding is a constant learning process, both 
in terms of learning about birds and nature and evolution, geography and all, all that stuff, but also learning about people too, which is sort of an important part as well. I think the, um, you know, the fact that we're dealing with a, a hybrid between hobby, passion and science, mm-hmm. no doubt there is an ultimate desire to, um, positively and correctly nail identifications. I mean, it's just, that exists there. The desire, the want, the hunt to identify, to put a name to something that's exciting. And, uh, that ultimately is, and we, just like you said, Nate, there are some folks that really do take that. I mean, fair, even more serious than serious, I Mm -hmm. guess is what I should say. (laughs) You know, one of my goals, absolutely, as a naturalist, as a birder, is to nail IDs. You know, I, I want to make sure that what I'm interpreting, feels what I'm good. identifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It feels good. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It does. You know, and that's something you can joyfully. Th- there's a way to do that positively and joyfully, mm-hmm. no, you I know, mm-hmm. as a celebration mm-hmm. and not as a, you know, puff yourself up. And, and, and a way that you can bring the people you're and, around in oh, to into yes, that joy, and into and that, in that experience. To yeah. want to yeah. be a part of the process. Yeah. yeah. And learn it. Absolutely. There is. One of the things that's really cool is when you, when you make your, your mistakes and you're able to talk back through those, um, to help for sure yourself and those around you understand. Um, I, I can't tell you, I, you know, I'm actually happy that, uh, I'm, we're not in the range of something like common potus, um, because the number of <laughs> stick birds, right. That, that I've called, <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's this, yeah. you know, that it got it look, you know, it's, this looks just like a, you know, the, where the Merlin is always perches, but, and, and you're sitting there and you're talking yeah. about the Merlin Decoys always telling get me. the story about the Merlin. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But, Ooh, but then there, there, there's these opportunities to, to learn, as you said, Nate, from, um, from this thing and what we do. And ornithology is unique, as Jen said, in that it's this hybrid of things, hobby and, um, and science and, and both passionately followed. And so it, it's this long history of it. And here we are now with this uh, opportunity to leverage it with uh, technology, but then some of the old things that, um, that we're able to, you know, the positive things that we're able to bring along. Um, it's, it's super cool. I mean, we're you know, we're, we're, we're still going to be humans, right. And, and subject to all the things that humans are Mm -hmm. subject to, but the birds are still the birds. Yeah, absolutely. Right along. That made me think just right there, Drew, that, um, it might actually been at Rio Grande at the same time. One of the best short presentations I've seen in person, it was, uh, it was Sibley. It was David, did his talk and since then I'm sure he's done this so many places, but he did his talk on perception Mm. and uh, you know, which has to do with lighting and has to do, you know, with just really the whole world around us and how that is absolutely not unique. Of course, to just birds. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that is something that in conversation, tone of voice, um, mood, I mean, for goodness sake, perception of the world around us. Um, so then when he was able to tie that in, I, it just made me think like, whew, you know, to have Sibley up there, you know, saying this for a room full of people who might feel kind of like how you said, Drew, like he kind of felt like maybe nervous or just like you weren't mm-hmm. breathing deep, like to just fully mm-hmm. enjoy this. Um, that was one of, I think, Sibley's best moves thus far beyond making the darn field guide was to really put that presentation out there um, to keep people in that perception as a whole across the board within life. Um, perception is huge. It can make and break things when mm. one person perceives versus another. And scientifically, perception, you know, can absolutely affect an, an identification. I mean, lighting and angles and everything. So, when you really start looking at um, 
how the, even just the, the human body, how our minds enjoy this passion, enjoy this hobby, enjoy this, you know, career for some, um, you've got to give yourself a lot of grace. And I think if you can mm-hmm. give others that same grace, you just learn so much. Yeah. Not even yeah. just about yeah. what it is you're, yeah. you know, you're intensely looking for. Um, but also if you're trying to connect with people um, to allow for them to watch them embrace the world around them, um, that allowance for their perception and, and that grace to you know, hear what they have to say about the world around them is, is huge in birding. One year, I, I remember it finally sunk in that, you know, not all of these not all these folks that are surrounding you right now in your life um, are going to love birds the same way you do mm. or the same way as the other person or the same way as one of your best birding friends. It all it means something so uniquely, deliciously beautiful to each one of us. A lot of us have very similar birding styles, of course. You know, some of us mm-hmm. are, are addicted to some of the subsets of, you know, lake watching, sea watching, um, night flight calls. But um, it finally hit me when I was watching, I mean, this is years ago, kids, you know, that would go back and forth. Young birders would go back and forth from identifying swifts up in the stratosphere uh, down to, you know, getting pictures of uh, snakes and in the grasslands and this and that. And, and they were going back and forth. And I, and I thought, you know what, this is people got to stop worrying. This is good for birds too. Because I would go to a bunch of different talks and, and people would ask me, aren't you worried about youth not being, or other people not being as interested in birds as, you know, or intensely? Go, no, no, no. You know, yeah. because they are embracing it is, I can see how meaningful this is to them. Because I'm watching their responses and their reactions to the entire world all around them. And they are soaking that in. I mean, just like Drew said, I mean, matrix level soaking in. They're looking up stratosphere, you know, looking for white-throated swifts. And then they're down here looking for, you know, this crescent, this type of crescent butterfly. And then they're over here looking for this skipper. And then they're looking for snakes over here. And um, that uh, level of perception and enjoyment and joy that's where it's at that is where it's at multi-dimensional adoration yeah. you know i mean that's uh you know I'm, I'm i'm thinking about a uh i was it was minneapolis and um i had a group of kids from um they were first generation um, citizens, right? Their parents um, had come from other countries, and <clears throat> primarily Somalia and uh, and a couple of Central American com- countries. But we were down in this uh, in this creek, and uh, and the birds were. It was near midday, so it wasn't that active. And I had um, tried to, um, you know, I'd done a couple of screech owl whinnies just to try to get a couple of chickadees or something up. And, um, and a bird showed up, a couple of chickadees. We got looks at them, a couple other birds. But then I heard this, this one of the, the, the Somali, the, this young man was whistling. It was just, it was beautiful, but he was just whistling. And I asked him what he was doing. And he told me that he, and he said the name of this bird of his homeland in, a, in, in his language, in Somali. And, and he said, I was trying to call the birds of my homeland here. And that fundamentally changed me in in the way that um, I went about doing um, this work because the the joy and and Jen has, has said that several times and it just, that sinks in with me, the joy of seeing these young people out there and there were all these languages um, and they had all centered in on on the couple of chickadees, the band of chickadees that showed up. But then this young one, young man was trying to call birds from a world away, and um, that was uh, 
that was it, right? It's a bird that I'll never know, that I'll likely never see. Absolutely. It's huge. I mean, it probably, who knows in that moment what he he was fully, maybe, you know, even in that moment, he felt open to the freedom to have that, to just make that sound. Mm. I mean, maybe he was so joyful. He just, he wanted to make that sound. It reminded him of that bird. It reminded him of that place where he was from that, you know, that time, that moment. And he just wanted to make that sound because it, you know, and to rehear it in his own mind um, and connect it to what he was doing right there. Just like you said, a world away. I mean, that's one of the great things about birds in general, I think is that they're, you know, it does connect us to a place, Mm. you know, certain birds connect us to different places and different experiences. You know, one of the things that you two have in common is that, you know, you are both sort of heavily associated with the place where you live. Um, you know, Drew, you've written about it. You've had memoir, you've written memoirs about it. Um, Jimmy, you're like Cleveland birding royalty. Um, what do you love about the place where you live and bird? Go ahead, JB. Oh, going to give me that one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's tough. You know, I... I don't think it can happen anywhere. Maybe, you know, maybe it can. Maybe it it comes down to the individual, the person who you are. But I I think think part of it has to do with uh, ultimately a a joy for for what you're doing and finding um, even the small things, what are considered the small, and I, I just put air quotation marks around that. Um, because those can often be the largest things, the most impressive things. I feel connected to Cleveland in, in multiple, multiple ways. Um, you know, Cleveland's, poor Cleveland's, you know, considered often an underdog, and that's a bunch of horse shit. Um, don't blank that out, Swick. <laughs> no, I'll, leave in. In. I'll leave it Next, in. I'm, de- I'm defending the land <laughs> there right we here. Go. It's a capital L. Um, you know, our, our river was on fire multiple times. People love to rip it on Cleveland for that. Um, even though other cities have, you know, multiple atrocities as well, but Cleveland's gritty and it sits on, it's cold in the winter and it can be, it can be tough to live here sometimes, but it's beautiful to live here. And our green spaces are remarkable. We're a portal for birds. You know, we're one of the last coastlines that they see before they hit the Arctic, before they hit Alaska, before they go up into the boreal forest. Um, And we receive birds as they're coming south. Um, And we welcome that. We receive monarchs by the tens of thousands. Cleveland, in all aspects, has this this feel to it of the years that I've been here. It's a, you know, we try to have these amazing pubs. We try to have these amazing breweries. And we're, you know, we're probably still a couple steps short of Chicago and always are going to be. But we kind of don't care. You know, we're just trying to, we're trying to do it here in, in Cleveland. And um, we've got a, some remarkable resources, unbelievable resources here. Um, I fell in love with the Cleveland lakefront when I realized the sheer diversity of birds um, that were being found in, in some of these tiny lakefront parks. And the, the concept is not new. You know, I have zero claim to that. Uh, migrant traps are, are spots that have been visited, you know, throughout the states, throughout the, the world. Um, by hundreds upon thousands of birders. But there were certain tracts of land in Cleveland that I just fell in love with. One of them is Wendy Park Whiskey Island. It's 22 acres. You know, it's, it's not truly an island. There's a lot of landfill-like soil that's been built up there. It was the site of uh, one of the reasons called Whiskey Island is because it was an Irish town full of Irish shanties. 
Um, and it's since been reborn. I mean, it went through stages of, you know, just kind of being a neglected green space with a railroad running through it. There's always helicopters coming over and it's one of the main flight lines for planes coming in and out of Hopkins. So there's, you know, massive passenger planes, soon U-turns there so it can come onto the runway of Hopkins International Airport, you know, and, uh, it's always it's so loud. It's just so loud. There's jet skis. There's people playing beach volleyball. And there's the greatest birds there. <laughs> it is chaos. And it is absolutely perfect. It is amazing. It is, it is humans going about life uh, while birds are going about life. And they are piling into this perfect green space. And it is an, an exceptional location to tell the story of conservation, to uh, tell the stories of birds and migrant butterflies and dragonflies and bats um, because they're fully accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a location that's also accessible to um to multiple, you know, housing areas. It's right there on the west side of downtown Cleveland. So um, it is accessible. It's free. You don't have to pay to go there. Um, You can get a bus dropped off. So if you don't own a car, you can bike. You know, it is, Wendy Park is it. Mm. It is this, anybody can go there. And that's another thing that I'm just obsessed with. Anybody can go there for free um, and just be immersed. I'm going to keep you. Yeah, Swick, you got to stop me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 let's go. I just want to make sure you got plenty of stuff. I love local birding. No, I know. I know. I'm going to start getting off on the track and just spitting, you know, Drew's going to fall asleep. <laughs> not even close. Not, not even close. <sighs> this is, this is like, uh, you know, the people can get to it. It just, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I'm, so, I'm actually hold, said for that. I'm holding back. I'm holding back <laughs> from uh, getting a little more political and uh, and cultural here in, in the talk because I maybe we should do that another time. But I'm trying to make some some semi peaceful references to to being um, just oh, you know, birds to the people. Mm. Um, birds to the people. Mm. Every, yeah, everybody can go there. Everybody. How about you, Drew? What do you love about burning South well, Carolina? I got my fist up for that because you know that's pumping. <laughs> that's that's pumping right there. You know, uh, it's it's um, you know, it's a different speed. I, I you know, folks always ask me. I travel a lot and and um, mm-hmm. all over the place, and and uh, and frequently people say, "Oh my God, how can you live there with with the the history and the politics and." Uh, cause they're, you know, they're, they're way right of where I am. And so I'll, I'll tell them, I'll say, well, first of all, you know, it's home. Um, and I'm there for the ecology for family and a few friends. I'm not there for the politics, but if I leave, who changes it? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I am unapologetically Southern, right? I don't try to hide it in my voice. I don't try to hide it in calling um, grits polenta. Um, they're just <laughs> oh, man, you know, <laughs> for a fight. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. But but you know, it's something about this this state. Um, Bird wise, of course, you know. This morning, I'm up in the far northwestern corner of the state where you can get red cross bills on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the edge of rough grouse breeding range. Um, ravens are breeding up there. Sawhead owls are are there. Um, brook trout um, Ooh, there. Yeah. You know, it's 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 such a different space. But you know, I can have breakfast and 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 look for cerulean warblers up there. By lunchtime, I can be in the Midlands of the state, and I can be on red cockaded woodpeckers and pine wood sparrow. Note, I did not say Backman sparrow. Um, <laughs> and and then and then I can be down on the Ace Basin, right? I can be on the Cumbie River. Yeah. I can I can watch swallowtail kites, um, and 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 have, um, you know, a, a flock of of roseate spoonbills pass by me and and by nightfall and shrimp and grits um 
have the possibility, the real possibility in a couple of places of hearing black rails and doing that in a place where Harriet Tubman liberated almost 800 enslaved people. And, 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 and so, you know, to be able to connect home to history and, and mm-hmm. to hopefully have some way of, um, of making the present better than, than the past was and, and hoping that them, I'm making some way for the future to be better and birds being a part of that. You know, it's a small state with an incredible diversity of birds. But, the, you know, the, the motto for this state is, uh, is while I breathe, um, I hope. And that's beautiful, right? And, and so birds make me take deep, deep breaths. And, um, and, and watching those crossbills this morning and, um, and, and being in this space with, with these birds, I wasn't thinking about the troubles of the world. I was, mm-hmm. I was on those birds, right? These, these, <laughs> these, these little parrot like, uh, finches, you know, um, doing funky things with, uh, with hemlock cones. And, and it made me feel, it made me feel joyful, Jen. It, it gave wow. me hope that, um, that, that there was some goodness left. So, you know, that's, that's my place here. And, uh, you know, home is control for all the travel. The travel is the experiment. Home is control. If, if life is ultimately, you know, that whole laboratory, then that's the assessment for me. So, you know, at some point I hope to be able to get out, um, and, 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 and JB's going to show me Jaeger's Right. And, and we're going to we're going to chase you. Guaranteed. Right. You know, can, you can do boats. Right. Drew? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, can do, I can I can do boats. And, and yeah. then you're trading. You're going to come. You're going to come down and I'm going to going to put you on some this boats in Alaskan Hughes craft. Uh, yeah. Alaskan Hughes craft. And it's got well, it had two two fifties on the back of it, but I think he dropped like two four fifties on the back. I gotta confirm that with them. Good God! Anyway, this thing's it is a monster. It only holds six people, so it's a, it's an it's a monster in sheer grit. It's like a bulldog, <laughs> like a Palmer and Jaeger. It's oh, it yeah. Jaeger baby. Yeah, nice. yeah, triple triple bombing like three Arctic turns at the same time. I mean, just wow. you know, the whole dang flock and wow. a Sabin skull to boot. But uh, this thing, as soon as you started up, I'm sure you felt this on other boats you've been on, but it 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 was built. Little did Alaskan Hughes craft know that they were building their boats for Jaegers. You know, it, we, we could try to get some sort of sponsorship, but they don't know it. So, but when this bad boy, when the engines go on, that tail end of it lifts ever so uh, slightly, sits uh, right there on top of the water, and it just hovers. It feels like you're just hovering. This thing know. can take waves like your wildest dreams and it keeps you level and flat we out chased two long-tailed jaegers all right that were flying like max speed we got up underneath <laughs> them and uh and split both of them right in half we did the same with parasitic jaeger and we actually over chased savins had to turn around thing flies. <laughs> you know, screaming. i gotta tell you right. i got you know I, it's just I really, I mean, you know, maybe it's just the time invested in birding. You know, I've been birding since I basically was in utero. I, at this point, it's so long. <laughs> the tens of thousands of people I've met through birding, you know, the places I've gone. And every single birder I learned something from. So I'm going to tell you about Denise. So she came on her first, she came on her first boat. Uh, bird boat of all time last fall and i think denise thought we were just gonna be like slow cruising the shoreline you know she came decked out denise was decked out she had her floppy sun hat 
<laughs> and, uh, she had all sorts of stuff strapped to her body. I don't even know what it was. Camera straps, probably strapped for, you know, suntan lo- or sun lotion. Pro- straps, you know, pockets and just straps. And uh, she gets on that boat. She's hanging out of the backside. When those engines started going, she went, whoo. She had these little <laughs> When we got out on the open water and, and the Captain Gary hit, <laughs> he hit those engines full speed because we were going to just start gunning it. She screamed the most beautiful, shrill holler of joy. And like, like her whole life had built up into this moment. And it didn't matter after that what we saw. I swear to God, like that people watched Denise go through this emotional evolution of like my, you know, just slow motion. Of, <gasps> I mean, just joy, and then she, woo, she was just screaming because it was like freedom finally. And she was screaming at the Eggers. She was pointing her point and shoot, just, yeah, baby. She didn't know what they were. She was screaming at him. She didn't know what his stabbing skull was. It was new for him. She was screaming at it. Like, this, this is the level of pure joy that I want people to have through birds. Mm. It doesn't matter how well they know that bird, if they're going to react like that, that is what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, it was just the most beautiful human evolution of a moment. Something was released in her to that day. Her soul scream was so deep and primal. And she had this look in her eyes, you know, like (laughs) it was, it was nothing short of stunning. She walked off that boat, like reborn. It was, that's where it's at. Baptized by Jaeger. Yeah. Could, could she identify a long-tailed Jaeger a mile out? No. That's why, that's why the rest of us are there. Is she ever going to identify a, a long-tailed Jaeger a mile out? Oh, probably not. I honestly don't think Denise really cares about that. Was <laughs> yeah, she stoked yeah. to see that long-tailed Jaeger? I, yes, she was screaming at its undertail coverts. I mean, the you know, sheer voice could have blasted that thing off of planet Earth. She was so happy to see a long-tailed Jaeger, but will she ever identify one herself? Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter, man. <laughs> you know, others of matter. us are there for it. And if, yeah. we, if we can be the portal device for screaming like that, amen, let's do it. I let's mean, just, it. it's on. That's good stuff. Amen. Amen. Thank you to you both. Congratulations on the Lifetime Achievement Award. I think uh, yeah, well-earned, I can all say. Uh, Jimmy Brumfield, uh, royalty of Cleveland, Ohio. Drew Lanham, Poet Laureate of the Upcountry in uh, South Carolina. Both uh, amazing birders, amazing people. Uh, thank you so much for your time. This, this was a really fun conversation. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll be back, Drew. We uh, we gotta bring. I'm not. I'm not ready to go. But I guess. Nah. Yeah. Nah. I just my heart rate just started. My blood pressure is boiling. You start talking right about stewards and, and engines. Yeah. yeah, that's how it goes. All right. Well, Thank much, you much so appreciated. Much. much appreciated, Nate. Thank you, uh, JB. You both on. Much love. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you, man. Right back at you. We'll talk real soon. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support it by supporting the ABA with membership. There's a lot of benefits like magazines, discounts, partners, opportunities to travel with us. You can still get in on that trip to Panama that's coming up next month if you like. You can get more information at aba.org slash join. I have a bunch of shout outs this week because we added folks who joined because of the coffee promotion and the podcast who are not showing up on the list that I've been using. So I had to backtrack a little and I, I can't really remember who I previously mentioned and who I hadn't mentioned. So some of you might get a double shout out to just putting that out there. Anyway, shout outs to Evan Nielsen of Arlington, Virginia, Aaron Lucius of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Drina and Gary Neems of Bay Village, Ohio, Marie Lehman of Milton, Florida, Lisa Farrell of Burlington, Vermont, Casey McCardle of Metuchen, New Jersey, Randy Fisher and Bobby Fisher of Milford, 
Delaware, Jared Lewis of New York, New York, Sophie Bodrug of Annandale, Virginia, Brandon Hoyt of Lakeland, Florida, Richard Bacalor of Ann Arbor, Michigan, John and Martha Sullivan of Stockton, New Jersey, Mitchell Griffiths of Houston, Texas, Gerald Kustra of Canton, Michigan, Cindy Kluchar of Siler City, North Carolina, Ariana Rimmel of Little Rock, Arkansas, and Phil Brown of Hancock, New Hampshire. I hope I got some of you. Some of you got double shout outs. So congratulations. Welcome to the ABA. Welcome again, I guess. Executive director of the ABA and executive producer of the podcast is Nikki Belmonte, who has suggested that the ABA Lifer Time Achievement Award should really be given posthumously to Bill Thompson III for popularizing the Lifer dance. Technical production is by John Lowry, who is still frustrated that the ABA Lifetime Achievement Award didn't go to Meadowlark Lemon, the clown prince of basketball. Which ABA, you say? Uh, take your pick. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg Neese, who note that the Roger Tory Peterson Award for promoting the cause of birding could just as easily be a Lifetime Achievement Award for American Crows. You can find us online at ABA.org on social media, most everywhere is American Birding Association. But on Twitter, we are at ABA. I am completely convinced that the real Roger Tory Peterson Award should go to the groundbreaking figures in birding and ornithology who, nonetheless, draw hawks kind of weird. I said what I said. Questions and comments come to podcast at aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy, everybody. Till next week. <laughs>